Turn with me in your Bible. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look actually at verses 11 through 13. And as I begin to just kind of pray and meditate about what I'm going to share on Mother's Day. Come on, how many of you realize as a, as a, as a new pastor of a church, Mother's Day is kind of a big deal for, for many of you because most of you are mothers. And I just want to do my best and, and honor you and, and honor our time together. Uh, so so if everybody there, 1 Corinthians 13, amen. And uh, so I was looking at this verse of Scripture, and God just kind of laid it on my heart because it, it has some key words in there that I think are going to really resonate with everybody here uh, this morning. It says, Now I was a child, that when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also, just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Can we just take a moment, we'll just bow our heads. I just want to pray and ask God to just kind of come with us and just go on this journey with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, we thank you for for everything that you've done here today, for the, just the beautiful testimonies of, of our children, Lord, as they, as they just share their creative arts, Lord, and as they share their hearts with us, Lord, and with you. We thank you for, for just equipping them and making them ready and uh, giving them the courage and strength even to go and, and perform in front of others, Lord. But we pray here specifically now that you can be with us as we just go into your word, Lord. Open it up for us, Lord. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Lord, hearts to receive, and, and minds to get out of the way, Lord, just that we can understand your word better. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as everybody knows here, there's no greater love, there's no greater example of the expression of love here on this earth than the love of a mother. I mean, love is something that's so, so difficult to express because it just takes so much time. And in fact, without Jesus, it's absolutely impossible to truly express love to our children. But uh, I see things differently. I, mean, I remember growing up with my mom and, and spending time with her, but I see things differently now than I did back then. As a matter of fact, I think I have a picture, uh, should be up there. I, I have a picture of my mom. So that's my mom there. As you can tell, she's a huge Saints fan, okay? She's a huge Saints fan. But I love my mom. I just wanted to kind of show you that picture. It's Mother's Day. I've got to put a picture of my mom on there. But love is something that's really difficult to express because it takes, it requires, actually, sacrifice. It requires humility. Love can't be expressed when we have our selfish motive towards another person. And I remember as a young child, I learned so much from my mom with regards to how to love others. I remember many lessons from my childhood, in fact, and I've shared some of them on some Wednesdays, but a couple of lessons that I learned is is that you dress for the job you want, not for the job that you have. Y'all ever heard that one? I mean, as silly as that little saying sounds, it's carried me, it's been some great wisdom in my life. As I go to work, you know, I always, it's not not that I actually wore slacks to go steam clean tools in the back of a warehouse, but I, I treated myself and I acted like I was for the job that I wanted, not the job that I had, right? I'm always looking to the future, always looking to grow. Another lesson I learned is that you can't be in two places at once. You ever heard y'all's mom say that? Can't be be in two places at once, Joe. Okay, mom, you know. I don't know, I've never tried that one with with our kids. Maybe I'll have to give it a shot. 
Another lesson I learned from my mom was apparently that spankings hurt the giver more than the receiver, right? Y'all remember that one? This is going to hurt me way more than it hurts you. And, you know, I didn't really believe my mom then. And it wasn't until I got older, much older, in fact, and had kids of my own, I realized that when the time comes that you have to discipline your children, and that requires a belt to the backside, um, it really is painful because it's not, it's not so much that you have to go through the act, but it's that you just realize that it's come to this point, that, that, you, that it's just difficult to, to deal with. It really does hurt emotionally. So it's hurts that, that last because the spanking just goes away and is forgotten soon. Although I do have a few spankings that I can remember quite well growing up. One ver- the most powerful lesson that I learned from my mom was that you never miss an opportunity to tell someone that you love them. And you know, as, as a man and, and growing up working in the oil field, I, I remember when I really started coming to the Lord and, and people, men especially, would come tell me, hey, Joe, I love you. And it was, you kind of have that shock factor. I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I would, kind of, I would run into these situations where like, man, somebody loves me. And, then, and they were actually telling me, right? Because when you're a kid, I mean, you're growing up, like you tell your girl, like your first girlfriend, you're like, I love you. I hope she says she loves me back, right? But to really love someone means that you're there for them. You're there with them. You're going to go through their battles. You're going to go through their struggles with them. And I remember this specific story, how I learned that lesson was I remember growing up, I was probably eight or nine years old, and my mom, she was coming and drop us off at our babysitter because she had to go to work in the morning. It was summertime, and I was so upset because I just wanted to stay home with my sister, and it was going to be all good. And I remember, I, I, I remember that, that I had, uh, was in the car, my mom dropped me off, and she, says, she looked at me, she said, Joe, I love you. And I just, in, a, in my little tantrum, eight-year-old, nine-year-old self, refused to tell my mom that I loved her. I got out of the car and walked, and got, went into the babysitter's house. And I, I just, I looked back right when I was going to the door, and I could just see my mom just beginning to cry. Not because, not because of, uh, of probably anything I did, but because she just felt like she wished so much that she, I didn't have to go, and I could just stay with her that day. I saw that day the true love of a mother, doing the things that were necessary, because she knew that, it was, that we had to eat supper. She had to go to work. She knew those things. And I learned that day that I'll never, ever, ever again miss an opportunity to tell my mom that I love her. And in fact, I mean, that, that moment still just sometimes, you ever have those moments that just replay in your mind? But there's a great tragedy in our world today. There's this great tragedy. I was having an opportunity to talk to a senior minister uh, just a few weeks ago, and we were talking about this very topic about a mother's love and what that really meant to him. And now him being older, he was probably in his 70s, has a lot more understanding of, of the, generational, uh, the gen- generational trends. He's seen it a lot more than I have. I've grown up in the, in the 80s and 90s. You know, I, I kind of grew up in that generation. But him growing up in World War II, the kind of the baby boomer thing, he's seen things change from one generation to the next. And he's had a, he shared a genuine concern with me was that now today the rate of grandmothers raising children is higher now than it ever was before. He said, and that's okay because these, at least some of these children are getting a good upbringing because they have their grandchildren. He said, but what about the next generation? What about the generation whenever there's no more an opportunity for these mothers? As they grow old, they have kids, but they're not raising their kids' kids. Who's going to raise those kids? He said, it's time for the church to recognize that, that they need to begin to restore the family. 
They need to begin to, to open up the eyes of, of mothers and fathers and open up the eyes of this generation and begin to speak the truth that, that love is above all else. That we need to make investments intentionally from one generation into the next. Isn't that what mothering is? It's, it's raising up a, chi- a, a child in the way that it should go. You look in Proverbs 22, 6. It says, train up a, a child in the way that it should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, I believe that today we see this tragedy this, where, where mothers are just losing track of their children. Why? Because they've lost this ability to understand that there's three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Many of us go into a store, and I see it on these, uh, on these hobby stores and things like that, these plaques that just say faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. And there's some great terms. But when we understand it in the context of the Scripture that it was written in, it really can open our eyes to the truth of what that represents. You see, mothers have a great role to play in raising children. They defend, they nurture, they train, among other things. I remember when we first got a kid, some of the best advice that I got as with Abigail as a brand new baby was that whenever this, uh, uh, an older guy came to me, he said, Joe, you just got to worry about three things. He said, you got to make sure if they're crying, you got to change a diaper, you got to feed them, or you got to put them to sleep. He said, that's really it. And that's what I did. I just took that advice. Somebody's crying, baby's crying, I would begin to just, okay, I'll change a diaper, that didn't fix it. Feed, that didn't fix it. Okay, you're going to sleep. And, you know, as I, as I grew up, that was really great advice because it would work. And then, of course, you get six months old, ten months old, things begin to change, things get more, more and more and more complicated. And, but, I mean, we grow up with our children with an understanding of how to raise children. Could you imagine if you were just, just I, maybe this isn't the best example, but just imagine if we just had kids that were already, like, 16 and you had to deal with that complication. Man, nobody would have kids. I love my 16-year-olds. Why? Because I got to raise them up from, from newborns. You see, the world is looking for answers. Children nowadays are looking for answers, and they're trying to find them on their cell phone screens. They're trying to find them on their social media. They're trying to find them in sports or other, all these other things. But really, the truth is that the answers that they're looking for are found right here in this book. Right here in the Word of God. That as, as a mother begins to raise a child, that they, they, the first thing, the most important things that we can begin to instill in our children are the three pr- principles that, that Paul is talking about here that abide of faith, hope, and love. Without the basics of life, without these three basic things, you see, life becomes unsustainable without outside influence. In, in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, Paul gives this great discourse on love. He says, what is this thing, love? I just want to read it because it's just such a beautiful, beautiful discourse. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul continues to say that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Then he continues to say, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. You see, I believe we're, we're, we're living in a world that of grown-ups who haven't yet put away some of the childish things that they need to put away in order that they can raise up this next generation. That it's time for men and women of this world to stand up and take responsibility for their part in raising our, our next generation. You see, Paul says that love is kind, love endures, love bears, love hopes, love believes. Why? Because, because that's what a mother does with a child. That's what God has done for us. God suffered long for our salvation. Worldly love, it teaches us what we should do. You know, worldly love is a, is a very complicated thing because it's always judged and based upon material possessions or based upon looks or based upon other things. But motherly love or godly love, it teaches us how to feel. It teaches us how to react. It teaches us how to act towards others. As we begin to devote ourselves to those three principles of faith, hope, and love. You see, we can put aside all those other things that are just going to go away. You know, many times most people look for, look, they're looking for answers. They're looking for, for, for a word of knowledge, a prophecy, a, 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 a tongue, a, an interpretation or something like that. And all those things are great. But what happens when all those things aren't moving? What happens when we go home on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're at home? What is there left? I don't know about you, but I don't have a prophet calling me every day prophesying good words over me. Anybody have that? If you do, give me that guy's number. The truth is, is that those are those moments that, are, that they're fleeting, but, but there's also these moments that are in between that we have to sustain ourselves. How do we sustain ourselves? That we teach these abiding principles of faith, hope, and love. You see, faith is founded on our Creator. Faith is founded on our Savior. Faith is founded on our mission. You know, when we see those little plaques in the store, I would hope that we would think that faith isn't just, and hope and love isn't just some clever saying, but we realize that, that Paul is talking about the things that are going to sustain us whenever persecution comes, whenever things get tough in life, because they're going to get tough. In fact, in Luke, Jesus is talking... He says that, that he said you can be sure that offenses are going to come. He said, look, don't, worry, don't try to get around it all. You're going to get offended with somebody, and you're going to offend somebody. I believe that it's these principles, as we teach them to our children, that these are the first things that we need to teach. We need to have our children 
raised up solidly in their faith. To understand that we have a creator. To understand that we have a savior. You know, we don't have to complicate it so much with a lot of the other things that we try to complicate life with. It's really just that simple. If you get that foundational work, you can begin to build life on top of all of, the, on top of, all of that. That we can have a hope in our future. Not only on this earth, but in eternity. You see, hope deferred makes the heart grow weary. And many of us have been waiting and praying and waiting and praying for a long time for God to bring answers in a specific situation. You know, me having understanding of what it looks like to have chronic illnesses in your life. And you're praying or you have a, a lost family member that you've been praying for for years and years and years and years and still haven't seen the fruit of your prayers. I want you to have hope here today as mothers that are praying for children that that maybe they don't even know where they are or what they're doing. That you can have hope that God can speak to that child, that you can have hope that God is hearing your prayers. These are the lessons that we need to begin to teach our children and teach others. We can get very caught up in the theology of a thing. But the truth is that that God is our creator. He's our savior. In him we have hope. In his salvation we have a future. In him we have eternity in heaven with our father. And love, I believe that love is the expression of our faith and our hope. In fact, Paul, he says here that the greatest of these is love. That anything done Outside of love really is kind of just, you're just making noise. He calls it just crashing cymbals. Ron was crashing cymbals here this morning, but I believe that Ron was doing that. Even crashing cymbals with love is a good thing, amen? But you see, love is the expression of our faith. It's the expression of our hope. I've had, I think people sometimes can get confused to think that I can just love harder, right? I can just love a person more. It's like I'm just... I, How do you express that love? I love you so much. I could tell you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But love is the expression of our faith. It's the expression of our hope. As we begin to build up a faith that we have a creator. Think about this. That we have a faith that we have a creator who created us. That we have faith that that in the creation that Adam and Eve fell, that man fell into original sin. And God in order to, to, to teach mankind their sin, he created the law and all that stuff and, and, then, and sacrifice in the temple. This is the foundations of our faith. But even in that circumstance where God looked upon man and said it is hopeless, God had hope and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. When we recognize that, that we are saved, set free, that no longer do we have to look to an eternity in darkness, in hell, in fire. But we have an eternity with God in heaven. You see, that's our faith. And as we allow our faith to drive us, to pursue us, you know that that same truth of faith that's true for me, is true for you, is true for everybody that we come across everywhere that we go. That faith is what sustains us. That hope that we have that we can 
give our lives to Jesus, that He's going to restore us, that He's going to begin to make things new, that the hope that we have, that we're getting tired, that, that, that hope is grow, uh, that's been deferred, that we're growing weary, that God can begin to boost us up and He can begin to help us to grow. That hope that we have in Jesus is what drives our love. You see, the truest form of love is this. Jesus said to lay down oneself for His brother. You know, that word love there is agape. I mean, I'm sure that y'all have heard me share my example of agape. And I, 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 I don't mean to pick on the people that say, y'all have heard the saying, love is a verb, right? Certain kinds of love is a verb. That's a true statement. But, but in the context of Scripture, love is a noun. You see, the truest example of, of love is Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, in the, in the Greek, the term agape is actually a noun. Because it is, it is the personification of Jesus Christ expressed. It is our love that drives us to do things and make an impact in everything that we do. So we can give prophecy. We can give tongues and interpretations. I can send gifts. I can feed the poor. I can do all those things. But unless I do it with love, I'm just wasting my time. Because I have faith. I have hope. I have love. I do all those things because of Jesus who lives in me. You see, Jesus is the motivating factor of our love. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know, as a mother, I just, I mean, I just, I think about this, it's just, It blows my mind how God just automatically just puts within women the ability to nurture a child. That they just like know what to do or they figure it out very quickly. You know, in in history, you see moments where women do very extraordinary things for their children. You know, I believe that's because God put that extraordinary in them. You know, for us, we think about the extraordinary, but for God, that's just really ordinary. That's God working in us the miraculous things that He wants to work in us. We simply limit that when we don't do everything in love. You see, there's like two currencies in this world. You know, there's a worldly currency, which is money, it's power, it's influence. It's popularity or self-image, right? If we want to get something, we can get more money, we can go get it. If we want to get something, we can get more popularity, we can go get it. This is the currency that, we, that the world uses in order for it to advance itself. But I believe in God's economy that there's a different currency. Although we have, we have to use money because we are in this world, that doesn't mean we're of this world. But in God's economy, there's a different currency. The currency in God's economy is this. It's faith, it's hope, and it's love. You know, as we begin to make intentional investments in the lives of others with faith, as we share our faith, as we begin to make intentional investments into the lives of others, sowing seeds of hope, letting people know that, hey, this time that you're going through is only a season. This too shall pass. This time that you're going through, I know it seems difficult, but God's going to bring you through. You know, those little words 
to say that everything's okay. Just as Emma preached here a moment ago that, you know what? God's got this. To hear somebody else say that, making an investment in hope, it has an eternal return. You see, it's not what, what, what moth or, or rust will destroy, but this is things that live on into eternity as we make investments of hope in people's lives, as we make investments of love. You know, there's no greater love than this, Jesus said, than to lay down one's life for his brother. Let me ask you this. You know, there's no greater love than this than to say to lay down my pride and share my faith with another. To share my faith, but the hope that God's put in me with someone else. Why? Because that same faith, that God has given me, He's given to everybody on this earth. That begins to bring a harvest of souls. That begins to bring a harvest of new life. That begins to bring a harvest of restoration. God's currency of love. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. You know, God made the eternal investment into our futures. God made an investment of his son. That way we can have new life. As we just sang here this morning, new wine. Come on, I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to my old ways. I don't want to go back to those times when I was a child and everything that I did was self-motivated. I don't want to go back to the times when when I thought just only about me, but I want to begin to think about others. I want to begin to think and make investments of faith into others. I want to begin to make investments of hope into others. I want to begin to make investments of love into others. You know, I I don't think there's a single mother that I've ever met anyway that that said, you know what, I'm I'm really starting to think about retirement, so I, I better start having a bunch of kids so that way when I'm old I have somebody to take care of me. That's not the motivation, is it? You have children because, you, because God put it in there into you. He says, as he says, go into all the earth. He says, have dominion over it. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Because God's put it in us to, to multiply and then to, to, to raise up children and to, to continue on, to carry on that faith, that hope, and that love. You see, no matter what situation that we're in, we can always go back to those moments. Why is that? Because in Romans 8, 38 through 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus. Nothing. The work of Jesus Christ is done. The work of Jesus Christ is completed in every single one of us. There's no one that can take Jesus off the cross. There's no one that can put Jesus back into the grave. There's no one that can pull Jesus out of heaven. I want you to know that the work is done, that the love of the investment that Jesus put in us is completed. So you mothers, I want to say thank you for your investment of love, for your investment of faith, for your investment of hope.